0: Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is a six-second stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that tells heartfelt stories to help you maximize your impact and inspire action in minimal time. Check out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. Welcome all my compelling storytellers to another episode of the Storytelling Lab with your host, me, Rain Bennett. This is an in-between episode, this season between our longer form episodes with guests, I am coming to you with shorter episodes chock full of basic fundamental advice that you can apply to your storytelling strategies immediately, okay? Last week, we did the first one of these and we talked about the five brand stories that you can tell. This is something that I work with all my clients on. I talk about in my workshops and my speeches at conferences. This is something, if you haven't heard that episode, I suggest you go back because this is the foundation of any work that we're going to do moving forward. Right, we need to know the kinds of stories that we can tell because, as I said in that episode, there's something that happens that many organizations and businesses and people get wrong. We think we have only one brand story to tell, and because of that, we put a lot of pressure and nailing it and making it perfect, and that creates other issues with our communication and our marketing and our messages. The thing is, we have an infinite amount of stories. So these are just five types that I see come up a lot with my clients, but there are more. And even within those five types, there are a multitude, a myriad, countless amount of stories that you can tell within those subsections. So go back and check that out. But it leads us to what we're going to talk about today. So now we know the kinds of stories that we can tell. We got to talk about what makes a good story, right? And there's several things. But first and foremost, what we're going to talk about today is what makes a compelling character. Because what makes a good story? Number one, above all else, a compelling character that we're going to follow. All right, so let's talk about what that means. Who is a compelling character? What is a compelling character? What are the types of characters that we should use? So the thing is, we're telling human stories, right? The characters should reflect humans. Specifically, the humans that we are speaking to. So if we're talking about brand storytelling, and this is not the only storytelling that we can do, but if we're communicating the messages of your brand, your business, your organization, well, the story should have a character that reflects the people that you were speaking to in that video or in that story, i.e. the people that you are serving, right? This is the concept of marketing personas, right? Putting a face on the types of people, the demographics of people that you help. When you establish those human qualities, it helps you understand how you can serve them, the things that they need, the messages that they need to receive to believe that you have the things they need, and all of that. So putting a face on that is so helpful for you and so helpful for your audience, right? So first and foremost, it needs to be someone that they can identify with. Historically, or, for beginners, maybe when I ask what makes a good character if i 'm doing a workshop or something, the first thing i I see a lot of people say is uh, likeable, they need to be likable, I guess because we 're thinking about like news anchors or or celebrities, you know uh, uh, we want we want to look at these people and smile. we want to feel something right we want them to be to be likable, and that is true, and in fact, a lot of celebrities and a lot of personas. Uh, Public personas worked really hard to make their image likable when the reality of the situation is that they aren't. Uh, We're learning some of these stories now in in celeb culture and pop culture. But here's the thing. It's not just that they are likable. That does something where we're attracted to them and we want to follow them and root for them and, and know what happens to their story. But what it really comes down to, what is more than likable is that they're relatable, right? They're relatable. That means we can understand what makes them tick, what makes them who they are, right? This is why we love the anti-hero, right? The flawed hero, whether it's Tony Soprano, which who I argue probably made it super popular in the in this golden era of television that we're in with the Breaking Bads and the nurse Jackies and, and Dexter's and all these heroes that are really terrible people that we root for. Right. The reason we root for Tony Soprano, because in all actuality, he's robbing people. He's murdering people. He's cheating on his wife constantly. He's a bad dude. The reason we root for him is because somewhere in there we can see ourselves in him. We can identify with what he's going through. Right. At the end of the day, He's a man who is trying to cope with raising a family and doing the best job that he can and suffering from mental health issues of, of depression and anxiety. Right. Now that's the thing that we relate to. Yes, he's a mobster, and yes, that's the background of the of the, the setting of the story that we're seeing. But really, this is a man who's suffering with mental health issues that's trying to survive among the chaos of running a business. It just has to, happens to be a, an or, a business of organized crime that maybe we can't relate to, right? So that's why we cheer for him and we want him to quote unquote win because we see this human value in him, right? We see this humanness and that's what we can identify with. That leads me to the next thing this character should have. They should be multidimensional, right? Tony Soprano is not all good and not all bad. We see him weep. We see him want to, to you know, to, to take care of people. We see these really sweet moments. And we also see him strangle people to death, right? We also see him treat women like crap. So, so the thing is, none of us are all good and none of us are all bad. So whether you're crafting the villain, the antagonist, or the protagonist, your, your hero, the protagonist should have flaws that they have to overcome and the villain should have good virtues or reasons that they have their flaws that we can identify with. Right? So that's, it's not just, that, Oh, they're just bad for bad sake. We need to, we need to see them struggle too. That's what latches us on and makes us, it makes the story interesting and makes the audience want to watch or pay attention because if we just know that this person's a bad, evil person, then we do, we know we want them defeated, you know? And if we do have that, but the hero is just all good, and they win every time. There is no story. There is no conflict. We need to see conflict, and that means external conflict, but you know the things that are happening to our characters, but it also, more importantly, I argue, means internal conflict. What are they struggling with in their hearts and their heads? That is the thing that we need to get to because that's the thing that the audience relates to, right? That struggle. The thing is being able to relate to them causes empathy. This is a connection between the audience and the character. And what that empathy is built upon is not that the audience has experienced what the character is going through specifically, but it's that they have felt the emotions that the, that the character is feeling okay? It's not about the experiences or what's happening to them. It's about what they're feeling in their hearts. If we understand that, then even if they are in a different, they're, you know, a different uh, demographic or they're experiencing different things that we haven't, you know, we're not a single mom, but the story is about a single mom, you know, but we understand the hardship of, 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 you know, raising a child or we've, we've been a single parent for a weekend and so we can only imagine what it takes to try to work a full-time job and, and be a full-time single parent. Or if we're not a mob boss, but we understand what it's like to have a stressful job and deal with mental health issues while raising a family to the best of your ability, like that allows us to really feel what this person is going through. And that creates empathy, that creates the connection. Now we're locked on as an audience, Okay. The last little thing about the characters—they need to be unique. They need to be identifiable, right? They're not bland. So sometimes with our brand stores, we don't have a lot of time to craft this great narrative arc, this character arc that Tony Soprano has over six and a half seasons of Sopranos, seven seasons, but they divided up season six into two parts. I don't know why. But if we don't have that much time, we still can't be very vague, right? We can't just say a woman did this right if we make them unique and make them identifiable and establish those different layers and levels to them that make them multidimensional that is going to be so much more powerful when it comes to our audience identifying with them right so instead of just saying a woman went to the grocery store the other day we can simply say a single mom went to the grocery store the other day carrying her toddler in her hand now we're kind of we're we're a layer or two deeper right we know just by nature of saying single mom that she's dealing with something that not everybody is dealing with. It's not just a woman, right? It's a mother. It's also a mother who's doing this job on her own. And now it's a mother who's doing this job on her own, who's taking a toddler to the store, which if you're a parent, you know how that goes. So those are the things that make a compelling character that we, the audience want to watch, listen to root for, and find out what happens to. Okay. So the second part of the show today when we're talking about what makes a compelling character that I want to discuss is yes, we have to craft this compelling character that we, we are interested as the audience. We are interested in knowing what happens to them in their journey. Okay. Now who they are, which we've already established is a big part of that, but here's the kicker. Here's what it's really about. It's who they are, but more importantly, it's what they want. Now the two are directly linked. Okay. Who they are dictates what they want right and the the situation that they have been put in dictates what they want okay but what they want is what drives the story that we are going on it drives the journey forward okay this is the thing that's going to make us latch on because if it's just a compelling character and there is no arc hey that might be entertaining, entertaining for some people right but it's not going to take the masses and make them latch on to the story you're trying to tell. And more importantly, it's not going to make them take action, which if if you're telling brand stories, you want them to take action, right? You're trying to compel them to do something. So if you just have a funny character that's multidimensional being funny, that's great, but it's not going to make them want to do something. Okay. We need to see them struggle. We need to see them overcome obstacles and try to achieve what they're trying to achieve. So as we talked about earlier, you have this thing that's happening to them that maybe we can relate to a little bit, but really it's what they're struggling with internally, right? That's the thing that that we identify with. What do they want? Now in storytelling, you have two layers. You have the external and the internal, or as I say, you have, you know, what it's about on the surface and then what it's really about underneath the surface. This is what drives the story forward. So internal problems and external problems. Okay, you know external problems with Tony Soprano. He's, you know, he's dealing with the mob, trying to raise a family, and 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 be as legitimate as possible. Keep it from keep it from his kids. But internally, he's struggling with anxiety and depression, and the weight that comes along with doing something that morally, you're probably really conflicted about. That's what's really causing him the the, the stress and anxiety. It's not just a high-pressure job and raising kids, right? It's the fact that he is compromised as a person because he does have good things about him, right? He doesn't necessarily want to do this, right? Then on the other hand, he, he's quite good at it and he quite enjoys it. That's the struggle that we're watching him go through. So these internal and external problems create goals, right? They create a goal of the character. They want to achieve something. There is a physical goal, which is what they want. And then there is what it's really about the emotional goal, which is what I call the need. You have a physical goal, which is what they want, and an emotional goal, which is what they really need. And they may not be hit to what they really need. They may not know that. Many times they don't. But here's the difference. What they need is really the journey that we're going on. And that's why you can see movies where they don't actually achieve the physical goal, but they achieve the emotional goal. And that's why we as the audience are okay with those movies and they can ride out as a, you know, as a success, as with resolution that we can accept is because they have achieved this emotional goal. I'll give you an example. Uh, Rocky. Rocky is a movie that I grew up watching with, uh, with my dad. And most of us are, are familiar with, with at least the, the storyline of, of number one. So you have Rocky, who is a low budget fighter fighting, you know, bums as he calls them uh, every day of the week, making, you know, a few bucks here and there, getting his head bashed in and not really going anywhere. Right. But he has this belief this drive inside of him, he feels like he's destined for greater things or that he can be and his life is passing him by and he's never going to amount to anything, right? So then you have this call from Apollo Creed, the heavyweight champion of the world who literally picked his name out of a book and invites him for a title shot, right? So his physical goal there is to to win the title, right? To To win. That's any boxer's physical goal ever is to win, right? But really he's struggling with like, imposter syndrome like am i good enough to to be a real you know heavyweight pro contender am i good enough to win the title right and so what ends up happening and sorry if this is a spoiler alert if you haven't seen a movie from 1977 or 76 i believe he doesn't win he doesn't beat apollo creed but here's the thing he does what no man has ever done before with the heavyweight champ, he goes the distance. He goes 15 rounds with the heavyweight champion of the world. That fulfills his emotional need. His emotional need is to believe in himself and feel like he's a contender and be considered a heavyweight, a, a, a real heavyweight title contender. And now he is. And that's why there's a Rocky two and three and four and five and six, because from that point forward he is considered a contender. That's why he gets a rematch with Apollo Creed, even though he doesn't win. He went the distance with the champ, and nobody has ever done that. So what they want and what they need, which, which, is, which is what I say, what they really want, you know, what it's about on the surface and underneath the surface, what it's really about. Really quickly for those entrepreneurs and businesses out there, there was a marketing guru back in the 60s, Ted Levitt, who wrote a piece in the Harvard Business Review called Marketing Myopia. And he said this great line that people don't want a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole, right? Why do you want a drill bit? Like you you want what it provides. Current day marketing guru, Seth Godin, who I love, took it a step further and said, well, they don't really want a quarter inch hole. Like who would want a quarter inch hole? Let's peel the layer back a little bit. They, what they want is a place where they can put an expansion bolt in that quarter inch hole and hang a shelf. But why do they need a shelf? They don't just want a shelf for no reason. What they want is a place where they can put their books and organize their books nicely. Let's peel it back one more layer. They don't really need a place to put the books. They're on the floor right now. And that is a place where they exist. And I'm stepping over them right now. So that can work, right? No, what they really want is a place to clean them up and get them up off the floor because their home office is the first place, uh, the first room that people see when they walk into their house. And it looks like a mess. And their wife is fussing at them all the time. And I'm not speaking from experience at all. No, not at all. When you peel those onion layers back, you realize really what they're trying to do is clean something up and keep a happy wife and a happy life. Now, when you're selling something to them, when you're telling them a story, that's what you play to. You play to those emotions, okay? Yes, you're selling them a drill bit, right? but what you're really selling them is what it really means what what it's really about what it really provides them so when you see hollywood movies this is how you can break down their structure and utilize it for your social media stories your marketing stories your newsletter stories how you serve your audience right you use these proven foundations and fundamentals that we've been doing for for forever storytelling and use them to communicate your marketing messages, okay? So the last thing that I want to say about the character that makes it compelling is we need to see change in that person, okay? Something happens to them that sets them off on this journey and they have a desire, right? They have this external desire and this internal desire. We need to see growth and character development And that thing that they need to change for Rocky, it's believing in himself right when at the climax of the movie, when he's about to give up, he's laying on the floor. He doesn't want to get back up, but something's driving him. It's his heart because he believes that he can do it. Mickey's yelling, his trainer's yelling at him to get up because Mickey loves you. (laughs) I'm oh, sorry. I love that part. So he gets up and he believes in himself and he goes back and fights that last round. And you see Apollo Creed's head just shake and his shoulders drop because he's like, man, I can't, I cannot beat this guy. Right. That moment, that's when he finally has the change from within him. And he's not just fighting, he's believing in himself. Right. So we need to see that change. And that change allows the character to achieve their emotional goal, their need. Sometimes they also achieve the physical goal, but if they get the emotional goal, then that's all we need to see as an audience to believe that it will work for us too. Okay. So, take that forward and when you're crafting your characters for your brand stories, think about one. What is a character that they will relate to because of what they are struggling with, struggling to overcome? That's what we're going to is going to make your audience relate to them, right? two or three, think about what it is you really provide them. Are you selling them a drill bit? Or are you providing them with peace and quiet and organization and tidiness around the house, right? Then craft your story to reflect that. All right, everybody, that's it for today. So go make some compelling characters and tell those compelling stories. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh.